This podcast is brought to you by Sales Fuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies and motivators, decision-making abilities and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com slash hire and use promo code MANAGESMARTER for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. You know, in the three years we've been doing this show, Lee, we have never touched on addiction and human resources. And I think uh, with the layering of pandemic over everything, even mm. though we're starting to come out, it's just almost taken that whole space and shot it on steroids like 1 million percent. Yeah, that, and if you've been a manager for any length of time, uh, you will encounter an employee, a coworker, even a boss, if you will, that, that, that you know, is challenged. Uh, by this. So it's important to know how to deal with this. And we've got a great guest to help us talk about that today. We sure do. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel, our company. And I'm Celie Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel, our company. (laughs) That's right. So today's guest is Gregory Silva. Hi, Greg. Thanks for coming to our microphones. Hi, Audrey and Lee. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, we're glad you're here. You are the director of operations for three drug and alcohol treatment centers in Southern California, Living Longer Recovery, Gravity Treatment Centers, and the New Spirit Treatment Center in, can I say SoCal? So I sound really hip and cool. Um, if, where, where are you guys coming from? I'm in Dallas. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm in Columbus, nowhere near California, but <laughs> we'll head out there this winter. It'll be fine. Greg, you began your career in marketing, which is what I do. But after your best friend passed away from an overdose back in 2012, you did a huge switch and you want to help others suffering from addiction, which is why you're with us today with a new career in substance abuse treatment. And you're passionate about helping people change their lives for the better. We are really glad that you're here. And so my first question was, because Lee and I were doing our show prep this morning, is what are we talking about right now? Are we only talking about you know, drugs and alcohol, are we talking about a much wider spectrum of behaviors that qualify as addiction? Well, we treat um, individuals that suffer from drugs and alcohol, but there are tons of other addictions. I mean, there is sex addiction. We know there's um, people are addicted to social media. There's all kinds of addictions. There's people are addicted to exercise. There's Hmm. eating disorders. There's things like that. I only deal with drugs and alcohol rehabilitation, but um, there is help for all of those. And we we can talk about uh, uh, resources for anyone who's suffering from uh, some kind of addiction. Hopefully we'll, we'll get there. How can a manager tell if they've for sure in their mind that they've got an employee or a coworker then that is suffering or, you know, is dealing with some sort of addiction? Well, there's lots of signs. You just have to know how to, how to look for them. Um, that kind of takes me back to how I got into this um, field. My best friend was, uh, he house sat for me and I was doing a lot of uh, work in Europe. I was spending a lot of time in France and he would house sit for me. And, uh, he had told me that he was ordering Xanax off the internet and drinking. And I mean, I knew it was a problem, but I didn't really know how badly of a problem it was. 
And uh, I tried to get him help, but I didn't really know how to how to go about it. And he ended up committing suicide in my garage, and I found that it was horrible. And I had so much guilt that I didn't know what to do, and I wished I would have known more. And uh, as fate would have it, I ended up leaving that position and taking a position with the treatment center in their marketing department. And all the lights went on, the you know, the bulbs went on over my head. It's like, wait a minute, if I would have known some of this stuff before, I could have hopefully saved my friend and other people. So um, I've made it my mission. I uh, went from the marketing department to actually running through treatment centers. And my goal is to help people recognize when either they or their loved ones need treatment and what questions to ask, because that's the hard part right there and how to recognize um, how to recognize when someone is, their behavior has changed and, you know, you just know something's wrong. How do you breach that subject? How do you, uh, how do you make someone understand that they need help? And uh, anyway, that's, that's kind of where so we're at are, now. What's the questions yeah. to ask? specifically. And is that a function yeah. of HR that you should have them ask the questions or as a manager, should I be asking? Well, them there, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, companies that drug test, you know, they, they work with machinery or well, truck driving or those kinds of things. And they require uh, regular testing and uh, a lot of them will fail. Not a lot, but a good percentage um, will fail. The drug test, and um, that's obviously a, a indication right there. Is when there's a failed drug test, and what is your policy um, with HR? You know, you obviously most companies have a policy how they deal with drugs and alcohol. Um, another way is, um, you know, people are either late to work or they don't show up or they don't call in, and that may be a new pattern that you didn't see before and maybe somebody's worked for you for 15, 10, 15 years. And all of a sudden they're calling in sick and they come in late or they leave early or they don't, you know, their moods have changed their way. They are uh, conducting their business for you has changed. So those are all signs. And uh, we just, you know, coworkers notice it usually first and uh, you know, they don't want to snitch, but um you know, if, if people have concerns about someone who is suffering from drugs or alcohol, or you just can tell there's a change, it's smart to go to HR and talk to them. And then HR will do it, uh, uh, you know, without the rest of the company finding out. And uh, that's kind of how it usually goes. I usually get calls from HR directors who um, ask me, you know, what do I do? What's the next step? And I help them out uh, trying to get their people into treatment. You mentioned then if someone has a, you know, a failed drug test, they usually get fired and that sort of thing. Is that still true though, given uh, the labor shortage that we're dealing with or, you know, some concerns that people may have about the ADA and that sort of thing? Yeah. I, I, I like that you brought that up. I mean, for years I've tried to um, talk to companies and businesses about um, second chances with drugs and alcohol sending someone through treatment could be a lot more physically responsible than trying to um, recruit and hire and train 
a new employee. So if you have someone who could go through a 30 day um, treatment and uh, get clean and sober and set up on the path to stay clean and sober, that's much uh, less expensive than, you know, the other way, letting them go. And if you have an employee that's been a really good employee for years, um, you know, it, it just makes sense to do that. To put that into context, uh, PwC 2017 CEO survey uh, that employers spend an average of $4,129 per job in the United States to hire a new person. So mm-hmm. that doesn't even count then the onboarding expense, the time to actually ramp them up and get them up to full speed and everything like that, because now you're talking months. So that is yeah. just the, that's just a hiring expense. So yeah, if you do the math there, it's like, instead of, you know, of course, it's the it's compassionate thing. Yeah, it's the, there's, there's yeah. a compassionate thing, you know, and being empathetic, super, you know, there's that. But it's like, if you just look at dollars re- re- and cents, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of your podcast, but I was listening to one of your past guests, Hannah Williams, talking about um, empathy in the uh, workplace. And uh, I mean, this really ties right into that because um, this is not just someone with a drinking or a drug problem. This is a disease and uh, you would know sooner fire someone with cancer who's getting cancer treatments or needed cancer treatments than than you know, someone who has the disease of addiction. So um, if we think of it in those terms, we can actually help someone get their life back together and, uh, and uh, set them on the right path. And, and in the meantime, save the company a lot of headache and a lot of money. This is a really awful question. And I mentioned it to Lee earlier, but there are some people that know that if you march into HR and say, I'm an alcoholic because you think you're about to get yeah. fired, you're gaming the system yeah. and you're not really an alcoholic, but now you're a protected employee. Uh, what is your advice to managers and HR professionals um, in a case like that? How, how can you be sure? I mean, obviously, if you're going to send them off to a 30-day program and they balk, then you know. But I, that does happen, correct? People try it. Yeah. Just wanted sure, to make people. Sure. Yeah. It, ha- it happens all the time. People oh, okay. accidentally f- fall downstairs too, you know, so that they can uh, continue or game the system. So, I mean, it happens. I mean, there are going to be people that do that. But I think the majority of people that will come to HR and say, I have a real problem, um, you know, that's, you know, that yeah. that's going to be you're going to, what you hear is what you're going to get. But uh, another thing is, is um, a lot of people won't come to HR. HR is going to go to them because mm-hmm. there's an issue. There's either a failed drug test, like I said, or performance issues or um, tardiness or theft or whatever things happen when someone has that addiction. And um, that's usually how it happens. They'll, they'll then admit to it when they, you know, we talk about rock bottom. It's such a cliche term. But it's true. You kind of have to get these people to hit their rock bottom. And if they're faced with termination from a job that they've had for a long time, they're losing their health benefits or losing everything. They might lose their house and their family and all of those things if they lose that important job. So usually their rock bottom is, okay, I'll go to treatment up rather than face all of these consequences. And that's what we also need to teach out there in society and in business is the sooner we can catch this 
um, the better for everyone. So, um, you know, just keep, hopefully keep your eyes open and really address the, the problem when, when you see it. What about when the employee is in denial? Um, well, you can only be in denial so much if the person is in denial and they are, um, going to continue the behaviors that have brought their, you know, them to the attention of HR, they're going to lose their job. So it just comes down to, do you want to keep your job and do you want to try to get healthy or not get honest? Honestly, I, I say this all the time. I'm pretty persuasive. I can talk until I'm blue in the face and I can talk almost anybody into anything, but I can't talk people into coming to treatment. Dr uh, drugs like fentanyl and heroin are way more persuasive than I am. So um, someone has to want to get help and usually they want to get help because their life is about to go down the drain, you know, not just health wise, but, you know, uh, their wife and kids and husband and job, all of those things are on a precipice and you need to address it. And that's when they come to me and say, Greg, I need to get into treatment right now. I mean, if I walk up to someone on the street who's using and they don't have much, many consequences from it, they're like, why, why do I need to come in? And, uh, you know, but if I talk to someone whose husband has just told her, hey, honey, you got to quit drinking or we're getting a divorce or, you know, whatever, I'll call the cops the next time you take our car. Um, those kinds of things will get someone to wake up and go, okay, I need to, I need to do this. For managers, you say tough love works. So we talked about having empathy, but you're also saying tough love. If you were training me as a manager, how do I marry those two things together? And is it the way that I'm speaking to them and how I'm conveying the message? It's, a, a, little bit, uh, it's a little bit of everything when we uh, can train ourselves to realize that this is a disease and not just, you know, a dirty drug addict, um, that helps. Another thing that helps is realizing that people who um, take drugs and alcohol, people who are uh, addicts, usually have a co-occurring mental health disorder. So there's some serious trauma in the background. There is some, you know, abuse, um, you name it. There is some kind of something that causes them to want to quiet their mind and they pick a drug or an alcohol that um, helps them cope. And it may work for a while. It may work for a couple of years, but eventually that is going to be worse than the original trauma that they had and lead them down. So um, treatment really does consist of uh, a mental health and a, and a addiction specialist working in tandem to, um, you know, get people back on their feet. And that's what some, people, uh, I think HR people and people in the, in the, those positions need to understand that this isn't just someone who wants to have fun and get high. This is someone who's trying to like to take it upon themselves to uh, find a substance that helps them instead of going the right way. Sometimes uh, doctors misdiagnose um, or they, they're not able to see the right specialists or things like that. And uh, that's what leads people usually to, um, you know, become addicted. Would you say they're trying to self-medicate? Exactly. Yeah. 
if if someone's got a drinking problem, is uh, are there other addictions though that that the managers or any or friends you know need to be on the lookout for as well that 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 coexist with that? Um. Well, I mean, a lot of um, addicts will use different substances, but um, besides uh, besides alcohol, there's a lot of issues with prescription drugs. There's people who take, um, you know, hydrocodone or some kind of prescribed opiates. Um, those people usually uh, will eventually not be able to find those opiates. The doctors quit prescribing and they can't steal them out of their parents' home anymore or vice versa. So they start using heroin and heroin you can get on the street or they'll start using fentanyl, which is super deadly. So, um, you know, people snort a lot of meth, meth is making a comeback, which is horrible. Um, cocaine in some places, you know, depending the uh, part of the country you're in. So it's, it's not always just obviously alcohol. It's, it could be a diff, a bunch of different things and people be, could be like drinking at night and then taking some kind of upper in the morning so that they can make it to work and, and try to be semi alert. So, um, it could be a, a quite a few things. And um, like I said, uh, many companies do drug tests. So uh, I, I, your analysis will show up to 10 or 12 different substances that uh, could be in the system. So you which talk about, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, which one are you seeing more of lately I mean, when it comes to the drug? Well, we get patients from all over the country and uh, it kind of just depends um, the younger crowd, the under 30 crowd, 18 to 25, 28, they do a lot of fentanyl. It's really cheap. It's on the streets and um, it's so deadly. Um, you know, you wow. could be taking a certain amount and uh, you get a new batch, which is much stronger. You have no idea you do that and you're dead. So that's a really bad one. We see a lot of middle-aged uh, men and women who are drinking a lot more during the pandemic. Um, women are drinking five times more than usual in the last couple of years. So we see a lot of um, alcohol abuse um, among busy professionals and, and we get them in here. One of our treatment centers is uh, in Encino, California, is um, kind of geared towards professionals who need help. We uh, help them stay connected on the computer to their works, you know, so they don't lose their job. We can help them, uh, you know, communicate to the outside world if they need to and uh, be, you know, have a cell phone or a work phone if they need to take a couple of hours during the day to fit in between their treatment to make sure that their outside life doesn't fall apart. They need to check in with their kids, their wife, those kinds of things. So we can adjust treatment to fit executive types, which we often do, um, sports figures that we treat, um, you know, uh, pilots are a big one, flight attendants, those kinds of things. So we try to keep them uh, able to function and not be cut off from the whole world, but within reason. Greg, I, I would be, be no, my question. Your, your turn, your turn, Audrey. Go. I was going to be my question is there, what are, I've never been through a program. So, but that's a great example of some of the new model of treatment um, programs. Yeah. Are there like 15 day programs or is it 30, 60, 90? Like what are some of the other models that EAP programs the, 
in a fact, studies show, studies show that the longer you can stay in some type of treatment, the better the odds that you will stay sober. What we do is the initial portion. So we'll do it uh, at our facilities. We do detox and residential treatment where you actually come here, detox off the medication. You are strictly monitored by a doctor and uh, nurses that um, make sure you have a, a smooth and not too difficult uh, uh, detox period. It can be dangerous sometimes if someone's been drinking for a very long time, they can have seizures if they stop immediately. So there's meds to help them through that. And then after about five to seven days of detoxing, they go into a very intensive uh, uh, program where they're doing a lot of uh, therapy and groups and things like that. And that's all residential. They, they actually stay with us and we have facilities where they stay. After 30 to 45 days, we recommend that they go to some kind of uh, outside treatment near their home where they can have, uh, you know, three to five days a week where they are going to meetings and they're getting tested and uh, still going to therapies. And then after that, um, it can drop down where you're only going once a week, just getting checked, you know, a checkup and making sure you're on track. That could go up to even a year or over a year. Wow. But uh, the most important part is the first 30 days to 45 days. And that's what we do. So if, if you are listening to this show or watching this show and you are struggling with an addiction and eating disorder, anything like that, uh, Greg, what advice would you give that person then to reaching out, seeking help right now? Um, well, 30 days goes by pretty fast and it's not what most people think. It's not jail. It's not lock up. It's not, it's a very, um, great atmosphere where you're surrounded by peers who are going through the same thing as you and you're surrounded by professionals who know exactly what you need and they'll help you get through it. I would say just jump in with both feet with an open mind and uh, reach out to someone who uh, can help you. And I, I have some phone numbers and names that I can give uh, for people around the country. Um, like I said, I get people that fly into my facilities Every day, I have a couple coming in today that I pick up at the airport. I'll be the face that they see when they get there. And we have a very comfortable van that we pick everyone up with their luggage, bring them into treatment. They're uh, admitted and uh, we get right down to it. And uh, it's safe and it's uh, turns out people make lifelong friends when they're here and they continue relationships once they leave here to support each other. Sure. We're, we've got about a minute left. So you've got three different websites. Give us those and then the phone number that you would want. Uh, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you one website because you can okay. reach me through there. And that way you don't have to write a million things down. <laughs> but uh, anyway, and I'll give you a phone number for me as well. You can reach out and talk to a professional anytime. It's an 800 number. The number is 833-244-5900. And again, 833-244-5900. And then you can go to our, um, you can go to a website, which is www.gravitytreatmentcenters.com. And that's a plural of treatment centers. So gravitytreatmentcenters.com. That's a website that will show you a bit about what, you know, our facility is like and 
talk about some of the therapies and uh, introduce you to some of the employees that um, work here. Um, many of the employees that work here have uh, beaten addiction. They, they're, uh, in, they've been in treatment before, so they completely understand. And then if you don't have, uh, you know, if you don't have insurance or you have a different kind of addiction, um, you can call the national helpline. It's SAMHSA and it's 800-662-4357. And if you have like a Medi-Cal or a Medicare type policy, um, they can help you a lot as well. And, and they're very helpful. That's great information. I um, thank you so much for the managers listening. Great advice for how to handle these things correctly. And for anybody who needs help, phone numbers and websites to go to. Greg, this has been great. Thank you so much. I can't believe 20 minutes ago went by this fast. <laughs> it's amazing how fast it goes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.